Hello and welcome to our first official episode of Wine Down Wednesday. I'm Marta. I'm Sarah. You can find us at windownwednesday.com. That's going to be Wine Down Wednesday, down without the O. You can find us also at Wine Down Wednesday on Instagram and Facebook. Again, that's Wine Down Wednesday, down without the O. In the first episode today, we're going to be giving you an opportunity to get to know us. We'll start with some highlights for our week. Sarah? It's my birthday! It's my birthday! It's my birthday! Well, it was my birthday, but I'm still celebrating. So that's definitely the highlight. Talk that talk. For me, I would say the highlight is doing this. Finally ripping off the band-aid, finally starting to record this. This has been a dream of mine forever. Radio is my love, and this is a dream come true. So yay. Woo-woo. Yay us. <laughs> so Sarah, um, what are we drinking today? We are having mimosas, orange mango mimosas with Balator Spumante champagne. The champagne's actually pretty sweet, so this is like a very, very sweet drink. <laughs> I like mimosas more on the drier side. On the drier side? Okay. I will make a mental note for a future. It's a little... <laughs> my it's like a dessert champagne. Sarah's our resident bartender. So whenever we have events at home or when we're traveling, Sarah's going to be the one to make you a mixed drink. And it's going to be absolutely delicious every single time. She will, she will mix and match anything that is present and make the bombest drink. So... Yeah, I just won that cocktail competition at work this week, too. You sure did win it. What was it for work, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, again, <laughs> proving my point. So, um, thank you. The mimosas are delicious. Uh, and welcome. we're starting with champagne for our first episode as a celebration. We've actually come a long way. Uh, back in the day, we used to drink uh, <laughs> Carlos Rossi. Not you. I don't think that was really Nah, that thing. was never that me. Was that was not you. That <laughs> was <laughs> other members I, of our squad. I, I, almost, <laughs> I almost think I should do the box wine shit because I've just never done it. Just to see if you would like it? Yeah. Girl, I've Like, I feel like I've never experienced that whole, like, box wine, Rossi, like... Maybe, maybe we should test it. What's that other malt, those malt liquor, whatever, like, in the bottle? You know what I'm talking 40? about? 40? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about a 40 ounce? I can I mean, like, I started out with, like, Sparks and college. That's what I, like... We were, dr- we were drinking Mad Dog 2020. Is it 20? Yeah, Mad Dog 2020 and, uh... Carlos Rossi that in forties. Those that like that's literally like I have no funds. <laughs> I just turned twenty one and I'm just trying to figure also it out. Also sounds like Bellingham. Yes, facts. That's all we, oh <laughs> poison. Like if I tried to drink that now I'd I would have PTSD. Yeah, it's so a new flashback grown game. it would be a flashback to all those crazy times that we had. So yeah, no, this is an upgrade. The champagne mimosas, yeah, that's a that's a win. So we're gonna play a game so that you guys get to know us. Yes, we're going to do a little questions brought to us by conversationstartersworld.com. And so we're both going to answer each question. First question is, what is the most annoying habit that other people have? (laughs) Is it bad that I have multiple answers? (laughs) All right, let's just do number one. First of all, I hate it when people force me to repeat myself. Repetition is something that I hate and I feel like that means you're not listening. I then am wasting my time if I have to consistently repeat myself. So come the third time, I'm probably enraged at this point. And then two for me is 
certain people when they eat make noise and it oh you have that too like that's like that's a that's a phobia is it it? yeah it's uh ah i have the same thing i forget what it's called but it actually is like that you become easily agitated when you hear like slurping sounds or smacking and yeah it's a thing girl when somebody chews like a cow, I want to like haul off and like <laughs> hit them. Like I like stop, stop with the mastication, please. Like let's mouth close. I don't know. Maybe thank you because I've I've literally like lost my mind over this. That makes me feel less human or more human. Mm. <laughs> more human. <laughs> You're alive. Thanks. Okay, ooh, uh, Sarah, what's yours? Do you have what's an annoying habit? People who interrupt drive me nuts. Oh my God. It's like, let me finish my freaking answer or my response, like just a second. Uh, or are people who like interrupt and then take say exactly what you just said and made it as their own, like, OMG, like that is the most annoying thing. This happens a lot at my job. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. I was like, where does this happen? This happens a lot at my job. They actually brought it up in like re- respectful workplace training as a case study because men tend to do this to women quite often as women are talking and you know I work with predominantly men so it gets really frustrating and yeah the case study was like Heather is talking and all of a sudden Bill just interrupts and re like says her points as it was his own what's wrong with that scenario and all of the women in the training were like ah because <laughs> I felt that in their spirit. Oh, yeah. But I've noticed, like, afterwards, like, more men have been, like, apologizing for interrupting at my job. So I think it definitely struck a nerve. Because then they, they then became aware of their behavior and were like, okay, oh, he's yeah, correct for this. we're doing this. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing that your employer put that together or, like, your HR department did that. Oh, yeah. That's super dope. Yeah. Because most people are just... They're trying to be woke. They're getting there. (laughs) Baby steps. Well, can you explain what you do currently so that... Yeah. I am a fraud program manager, so I work with, like, an investigations team globally detecting fraud on a mobile site. And then I work with, like, engineers, analysts, and data scientists. So, like, working on our fraud model, improving our internal product tool, creating fraud rules... Basically, end-to-end overall fraudy stuff. Fraudy. <laughs> it's cute when you say it like that. Yeah. It sounds cute. It sounds adorable when you say fraud with a one. <laughs> uh, so, for me, just to give some background, I'm an executive assistant at a nonprofit, and I've been there a year now, but my background also is in mental health. I was an administrative assistant there for six years. And a lot of what I do is the on the administrative side, basically helping other team members, program managers, project managers find solutions to their problems like on an everyday basis. The reason why I asked Sarah and I wanted to clarify about our background is because the next question is, what job do you think you'd be really good at? So give you an idea of what we currently do and where where we think we would fit. So Sarah? Where what would you be killing the game right now if you if you decided to make a switch? Oh man, this is like a tough one because I feel like I've, I could, I'd be good at so many mm, things. Jack of all trades. Humble, humble, humble. I mean, hey, uh, 
I would it. say that like if <laughs> I had like continued on with doing pre-med that I would have been a great doctor I still think that I should do something with science or something along in those lines because that's I'm really passionate about science the other thing I feel like I would be great at doing would be in some sort of like leadership like planning organization whether it's like grassroots startup or like working like coordinating multiple like big organizations on that side i mean i don't know i'm really good at getting people together getting people to to rally and then work on a cause and like hit the goal that's true i can say that because we've known each other forever so i can (laughs) so i can say that true fact what about you Mm, well radio duh (laughs) radio is something that I've always loved being a part of music music is my first love so that's why that's why I then subsequently fell in love with radio after falling in love with the music the natural transition I think um did radio in college and I feel like the most natural thing for me is being a radio DJ radio programming that's I feel like that's truly my calling Outside of that, I think that, and this is going to sound kind of crazy, but, well, you know this, writing. So writing is a strong suit of mine, and I feel like writing a script, writing a story, a book, has always been something I've rattled around in my head, and the only thing now is to, like with this podcast, (laughs) pull off the band-aid and actually start doing it. So I have have some, some thoughts. So for me, the goal is to, these things that are, dreams of mine to actually put action behind them and make them a real thing so i think mine are mine are actual things that i'm i'm ready to make happen nice so yeah cool what skill would you like to master this is i thought about this question a lot so there are things that I'm focusing on like as far as hot yoga is something I'm taking on and I really want to get good at it because it takes a lot of time and it takes practice in order to get good at it to get the poses right to be able to feel comfortable to be able to hold them as long as you want I feel like that's something I'm I'm working on but the skill that I really want to master is the art of turning nothing into something the art of turning an idea or a thought or a problem something that's currently a problem and solving it that's that's a skill so I think that's for me the 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 skill that I'm working on but turning nothing into something is something I think people who are really successful in this life they have mastered putting their their energy and their and their thought processes together in order to reach their goal for me that's something that I've been working towards and now I feel like I'm starting to to actually practice it and then mastering it is obviously comes with time. What is it? 10,000, 10,000 hours. <laughs> is that what they say? Uh, yeah. Okay. But, um, it's lots of practice. Yeah, for now sure. It's just practicing it. How about yourself? I would say the skill. So, you know, Shonda Rhimes has that book, like the art of saying yes. Mm, yes. And I think <laughs> that I say yes too often. <laughs> And so I would like to be able, I want to be able to push back and say no more often and be able to like, I think that would help me prioritize effectively and then also like be able to follow exactly what I should be doing because I know where my path is going. I don't feel like pulled in so many directions. That's feedback that I hear quite often is that I'm just 
saying yes and doing it all and and I am doing it all and I'm getting it done but I'm also like the last person that's really benefiting I'm like hurting myself in the long run so that would probably be the skill I should focus on that's what I'm working on right now do you feel like that comes with also like self-care feel like that falls into that yeah I don't know I do a pretty good job of like still maintaining and doing stuff for myself I I think it's just mostly that Essentially, if I could afford, like, having a personal assistant, I would not have to worry about this being a problem. (laughs) I could just be, like, telling someone else. Like, if I had a team underneath me, for example, and say, like, hey, I need you to go do X, Y, Z, and then that would help me achieve, like, my end goal, that would be the dream. So I just need to figure out how to get there. Workarounds. You need to find some workarounds. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, for sure. I believe in you. (laughs) Thanks. Appreciate it. When people come to you for help... What do they usually want help with? <laughs> Gosh, this like lines up so perfectly with what I was just saying. So, so I knew that this was going to be a good question for you because I know that oftentimes people come to Sarah looking for either advice or pointers or assistance. Man, so I wanted, yeah. so I wanted to, I wanted to hear the question that you get the most or the the problem that you hear the most about. Sure. So I think the mo- like if I were to say like outside of like my close friends, family, the thing that people reach out to me the most is mostly about how I've bought houses and like, you know, how I p- invest my money or how to go about like buying a foreclosure or a short sale. Like I've had experience in both, how to refinance, all of those kind of questions about home ownership is probably the most predominant question I get from random people. Random people, yeah, like people who have heard that I have bought this through the grapevine. Yeah, through the grapevine, which is crazy. Like all gets, how do we? Damn, I get stopped at parties, and like people will pull me aside, saying like, "I heard you bought uh, a short sale. Like, you know, how did you do this? Or I heard you did this." And I'm like, (laughs) "Wow." So a lot of it has to do with that. And I'd say the other advice is mostly just like when people need like motivation or career advice of like what they Mm -hmm. should do or if they should go do that a lot of people will reach out to me Mm -hmm. I've had people from previous positions I've worked in who have reached out to me asking me for advice if they've had issues they're currently going through an issue in their job like what they should do Um, and I'm happy to give that so that's probably you know I spend I basically feel like I'm a counselor a lot of times well (laughs) like a like counselor slash financial advisor (laughs) So can I can I ask you a question as an offshoot of this question? Sure. <laughs> what is the most sound financial advice that you think you've given someone or you could give someone? If we're talking about financial advice, because that's a question that you said you get a lot of. The root is the finances. So yeah, for sure. So number one is you got to save your money. So like save as much as your paycheck as possible. Some people say that you know you should save at least ten percent. Try to save up to thirty percent. Do whatever you can. You know, I lived at home for a while in the beginning when I uh, was first working in the tech industry, and that is what really helped me save a lot of money. Was just staying at home. So even though you know you want to be independent and do your own thing you know I don't want to deal with my (laughs) parents asking me where I'm going I mean deal with it and suck it up because it's gonna pay off in the long run you don't want to be like 35 years old living at home you know you don't want to be like 35 years old paying rent it's much better to be paying off a mortgage that's a fact you know and so those that's kind of what I usually try to advise people is just to suck it up and like deal with that you know I did it you can do it 
<laughs> two yeah. is then also making sure that you have the right kind of credit. So, yeah. you know, ensuring that you're still using your credit card, but you're not going over the 30% utilization and that you're paying off things on time. Um, and then just not, you know, lastly, it's not living lavishly, like live within your means. You don't, you can travel, but you don't always have to be balling out all the time. I think, I think that's something a lot of people struggle with because we, we kind of live in a society where instant gratification is a thing. Oh yeah. So, so people thinking ahead is not something people do in the same fashion or in the same way that they used to once upon a time. So now I feel like everybody's just thinking about what's currently happening oh, I want this, I need this. Right. And then you then financially are paying for this in the future. Right. The things you own are your assets. Right. And, if you're, and I think a lot of people don't start realizing these things until later in life. And you're like, oh man, I really need to buy something or own something. And let's be real, in Seattle, it's almost an impossibility at this yeah, point. Yeah, Seattle, it's tough. It's I just mean. really hard. To, within city limits is almost impossible. As a single, as a single person, I don't, I don't see it happening that often. I was looking at even like condos recently. It was like, it's going to be in that 250 range, isn't that? In Seattle? Con- Swear to God. Well, that's cheap. You can't even well, it was like, it. well, technically it was like renting. Oh, okay. So, okay. so it's not technically Seattle city oh, okay. limits. Okay, okay. So that's fair. So yeah, that's fair. dude, you can't get anything for 250. Yeah, I was looking at, yeah, I was like, it's, it's so insane. Do you think it's actually going to, the, the, that there's a bubble and it's actually going to burst? Do you think so? How's it going to no. No? No. Because of the tech boom. Like, it's never going to go well. I mean, there's so many stable financial companies that are here, including startups. And then outside of that, we have so many people moving from California that are relocating here that it's going to remain stable. Really, Seattle just reminds me of what happened in San Francisco. Say, oh, girl, I've been so, saying that for years. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. And now, so we're just never going to go backwards. So, you know, this is what I tell people all the time save your pennies yeah. better buy a house it's stressful and you don't think you can do it but there's a lot of great programs out there you know you, some places are only qu- requiring three percent down if it's your first time home buyer we could talk about this on another session i could really do a whole so, podcast no we can't no like, we might actually have to real talk. yeah yeah <laughs> real talk. in other words this Sarah, real talk <laughs> <laughs> Oh, for, well, for me, the thing that people generally come to me with are oftentimes situations where there's conflict. It's conflict resolution. So it's kind of similar to the counseling statement that you were making. But generally, I feel like I'm a, not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I'm generally a forgiving person. And I try to see a situation from both people's view, as hard as that may sound. But, um... Even if you're my close friend and the other person that you're telling me about or the other person you're having an issue with is someone I may not know as well, maybe it's a significant other, whatever the case may be, I'm going to try and give a holistic view on that issue. So I feel like that's the thing generally people come to me for. And I think that's because I've kind of like learned how to laugh at my pain type situation. Shout out to Kevin Hart. (laughs) Shout out to Kevin Hart. But yeah, so like I've kind of learned to laugh through the situations that I think are the most complicated or or emotionally significant things in this life. Yeah, so I feel like I've worked my way through them and I think it, it has somehow become obvious to, to people around me. And so then I feel like that's when people come to me the most is when they have a problem on their heart and they want to talk it out. They need a sounding board. For me, that's generally the Yeah, case. you are very forgiving. More forgiving than me, that's for sure. 
it's something I'm working on because it can also be detrimental to you. So yeah, boundaries. Yeah, all boundaries. Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna bring it back to my uh, 2018 resolution: boundaries. Because that I can be too skill. forgiving. Hmm? That should have been your skill. <laughs> my skill is building, uh, building, building boundaries. Building boundaries. That's a skill I'm trying to master. I feel like I've. I'm on the clowning. Yeah, I feel it. No, no, no. You didn't need to explain that. I felt it. I don't know why you told me you were clowning. Like, I didn't know that that's what was happening. Thank you for the clarification. All right. Mm. What could you give a 40-minute presentation on with absolutely no preparation? I thought this this one's difficult. I want to say the history of rap, but that's very specific. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot involved there, so that's it. There's a lot of room for error. That's a 12-week lesson. Girl, girl. So a 40-minute presentation, I would say the effects of soul music on current popular music and where we lost our way. I feel like, uh, for me, the lyrics have always been such a huge, important part of why I listen to an artist. Like, music is fun, and yeah, you can listen to you know, like all that club stuff, whatever, like it's cool, like it's good. But for me, if it doesn't have to speak in the words of my, of my hero, Crit, Big Crit, if it don't touch my soul, I can't listen to it. So the truth is for me, lyrics mean a lot. So I think that for me, I could easily teach that lesson of why artists like someone like Donny Hathaway meant so much to me. And then why certain music that's popular now, it can't affect me in the same way or doesn't become a part of like my daily routine or my playlist because the truth is I can only listen to it in certain, in certain spaces. I then will never create that type of emotional connection to the artist. So I feel like for me, it would be about music content and the way the words move the culture. Fact. That's so dope. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks. I don't think we've even talked about that before. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, damn. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like mine would be, like, so different, which is good. That's good. It's uh, supposed to be that way. We're not supposed to be exactly the same. I, I could easily give a 40-minute presentation on how everyone's identity is getting stolen and how to protect yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we need that. We need that. I need that. Um, yeah, so I work in security and fraud. And Scammers be scamming. That's what I teach everyone, and that's <laughs> what I help prevent. I prevent fraud from happening, and, you know, not to scare everyone, but it is something, like, we should be really aware of in the digital world. Like, can, can our we... footprint and what we're leaving behind, even even the basic things, like using your card at an ATM and all that stuff. So it's just whoa, stuff to whoa, be aware of. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. Back it up. First of all, I have never heard the word scammer or scamming so much in my life than right now. Like, it's insane how many people are scamming people. It's nuts. One. Two. What do you mean using your card at the ATM now? (laughs) Oh, I mean, like, there's, like, so many different devices that fraudsters or hackers can put on and attach when you're using your chip that will receive all the information attached to your bank account, what your PIN number is, and then just even being aware of your surroundings when you're putting your PIN in. Most people are just like, whatever, not paying attention, but you should always be hyper aware of, just like stay vigilant when you're using it. Also, I'm like old school, I take cash out a lot because, you know, cash is king. That is one thing that you should always be aware of. It's way more important to have cash than access to credit speaks volumes dave ramsey always talks about being stuck in like that debit like that credit card like debt hole is like it's a thing 
So, you know, if you want, if you're wanting to protect yourself, you just do the old school way, pull out cash. Amazing lesson. What is something that you think everyone should at least once experience in their life? Leaving the United States or wherever they are from, just exposing themselves to other cultures, other sites, other languages, like trying to learn another language, trying new foods, like just not be afraid to try. I think that's a big thing. I still feel like I haven't traveled nearly as much as other people I know, but studying abroad, living abroad has like had a huge impact on my life and how I view the world and what I think of our society in general. And I think it's really important because it adds value into your workplace and also can impact others. Based off of what you know, you're able and you have the ability to shape others' point of view. So I think that that's huge. Uh, What about you? For me, I would say mine is travel related, but it's actually traveling alone because that's something that I've been actually trying to knock off my list this year. As people were very accustomed to being around other people and being alone sometimes is seen as equal as being lonely. And I don't think that's the case or should be the case. I mean, in our 30s now, I would like to think that we are more aware of our emotions and comfortable with them. So for me, it's not necessarily facing a fear, but confronting something that I was uncomfortable with. I think that's really what it is, is being comfortable when being alone. So I think that also you learn a lot about yourself when you're in those situations when you're alone. Like sometimes eating out alone can be uncomfortable for people or going people to have movies. a hard time going to the movies it's alone. Jinx. Which jinx. I don't really understand that. <laughs> jinx, yes. So I go to the movies alone. It took me a while to get used to it. Now it's not necessarily preferred, but I can do it and it's cake. I, I've been to a packed movie theater and sat next to somebody else who was also by themselves and just had a good conversation. It's, it's letting down your guard enough and being comfortable enough in your own skin to be able to have the, that type of interaction. So I feel like that's like my last step in that like frontier of being able to be comfortable in my own skin is to travel alone. Mm-hmm. And I have to travel alone to a city where I don't know anyone. That, those are, that's my rule for myself. So for me, I was like, I think that everyone should experience that, not just myself. It is something I'm going to do on my own, but I think everyone should do it because I've actually just like read a lot and talked to other people in my friend groups about how much that helps with personal growth. I think people are afraid to be with, alone with themselves, and I think that's when you really get to know you. Yeah, I have traveled alone, and it is scary, but it's really good because it gives you the confidence that you need to like go out and do whatever you want right just For conquer sure. life like yeah you then will no longer have the yeah you're like man i went to this random ass country by myself and i'm good like i survived i came back in one piece i had great experiences i tried new things yes, like i did it that's what i want yeah for sure so what was the scariest thing that you what was the scary thing for you when traveling alone oh man i mean where am i going who am i gonna <laughs> yeah, that's meet a, that like sounds... where am i gonna eat like this is a whole it's a I mean, I'm thinking of when I went to Burkina Faso. It was like a third world country and didn't know anyone. And I was going to be working out there, but it was just starting from scratch. And it's, a th- I was speaking French. It's like a third language. And my French wasn't perfect. So it was just frightening. And I stood out like a sore thumb. I thought like, you know, being African, I would have been really accepted. And I think people thought I was Mexican out there. It was crazy. So they were also treating you like... You oh, I was just like a foreigner, for sure. Like, just treat... I wasn't... 
I wasn't white, but I wasn't I wasn't from Burkina Faso, and they also didn't think I was African, so I was just like in this whole separate category. It was it was wild. So what did, what language did people generally speak to you, or how, how did they? They talked to me in French because it's a French speaking country, mm-hmm. but uh, people would ask me like what I was. They also did. I, I remember going to the hair salon, for example. I remember I was like, all right, I'm just gonna get my hair braided. So I got braids. I got Brox braids immediately. Yeah, that's generally a black girl's <laughs> go-to for protection. They were style. just like, I remember the lady I was living with was like, "Your hair isn't gonna hold up. It's gonna start breaking. You need to go." So she took me. She took me to a salon where the woman was from Ghana. So she's like, she can speak English. This lady did not speak any English at <laughs> all. So I had to. First of all, speaking in French is one thing, but then there's like technical French. So t- trying to talk about your hair in French, that it's like a whole nother thing. I didn't bring my dictionary. I was like, oh, this is so complicated. <laughs> Wait, how do you say box braids in French? Well, braids are tress, like tress. Tr- tr- so, like, I said, like, I wanted braids, but then, like, to even talk about products and stuff like that, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's... So those are the experiences good, that, like, you go through where you're just like, oh, man, I'm, like, I'm a fish out of water. I do not know what I'm doing out here. But did your braids come out cute? Yeah, they they turned out cool. I had like five people working on them. It was done really fast. That was awesome. Oh, that's bomb. Yeah, what does that usually take? Five hours generally, if it's if it's just one person, it's like five hours, right? Nowadays, I feel like it take, used to take me like ten to twelve hours to get my hair. People are getting faster. Is that what happened? I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, practice makes perfect. Yeah. All right, fun stuff. What piece of entertainment do you wish you could erase from your mind <laughs> so that you could experience it for the first time again? So I have two for these. It's going to be very obvious that I'm still upset. <laughs> Game of Thrones, The Purple Wedding. I'm not going to say what happened because I know there are still people who have not caught up with the show. So I'm going to let you slide. I'm not. Yes, there are people out here who have not seen Game of Thrones. Look at me like that. I swear to God. I've had this conversation with multiple people. I mean, like they've never watched not it Not even watched the first episode, first season. A single episode. Whatsoever. So are they going to? I mean... I mean, you should just talk so about I, it. Okay, just point, forget, yeah. forget them. Okay, yeah, fine. like at this point, just, just fast forward through this section if you're going to watch it. Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah just get this. Spoiler alert. <laughs> All the spoiler alerts. Okay, so after watching Joffrey be a complete jerk, the like, let's be real, he was a dick. The entire time, the entire first couple seasons, and it comes to the purple wedding, and I explicitly told someone, I haven't seen the last episode, don't say anything. They must not have been listening because the next sentence out of their mouth was, so did you see when Joffrey died? Did it? How did you feel about it? I was like, what? Yeah, that's foul. Yeah, I'm I'm still upset because I didn't get the satisfaction of seeing that piece of shit die. Like, I was so angry. I know that sounds hella crazy, but it's true. Like, I was, I'm still upset. So, like, he died and I watched the episode and I was just, hmm, thanks. All right, that happened. I didn't, like, I felt nothing, like, you know, like those early episodes, that's what the thing was about Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones was like, they were very tied to your emotions. That's why when Ned passed, it was so hard. I couldn't speak for like 24 hours. Like I was so emotionally tied to the character. I I swore that he was going to come back from the dead. And it was like... You said you just couldn't speak for 24 hours? Like about it. Like in general, like, I didn't want anybody to talk to me. Don't laugh. I was really like, hey, upset. I was really upset. I was mad. I couldn't... I was angry. Like I was hurt. I swore it was a dream sequence and he was going to come back in like the next episode. I was like, no, no, no. They wouldn't do that. He's a main character. Why would they? And then, of course, Game of Thrones is that. Just murdering main characters. That's all that show is. So, 
Uh, yeah, so that was the hardest for me. Second most difficult one was seeing the movie Get Out. So I had been waiting for the movie for m at least six months before the trailer had come out and they started talking about the movie. Like even long, so long before that, I had been holding my breath waiting for this. So there was this guy that kept asking me out on a date and I was like, fine, we can go see Get Out. Worst mistake I have ever, not have ever, <laughs> let me run that back. That was a very bad mistake though because the entire time he's talking through the movie I was so mad. There are so many like things that you need to pay attention to. And then he was always laughing at the weirdest part. Is it, was it a first date? Yep. Yeah. You, you yeah, that was off. my fault. Yeah, that was my fault. No, 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 no. I learned my lesson the hard way. But it, it sucks because it was such a, a powerful movie and like such a like, a like a moment in like pop culture that that movie shifted the culture, I feel like. Have you watched it again? No, I was too angry after the first time. But I did, I did find the uh, the red hair. Like I figured it out. Like I figured out the movie as I was watching. I was like so proud of myself. Oh, nice. But I was still mad at it because I knew that there was something you're supposed to look for before I'd seen the movie because I'd seen like every interview before the movie of the uh, the cast, all their interviews. So when that part came, but I was just like shut. Like I literally just at one point turned around and almost just looked at it, just like can you shush? I had to say that. I had to say that. There was no, like, I was giving clues, hints. I literally just had to turn around and be like, shh. Did you give him another shot? Are you joking? Absolutely not. Just wondering. I mean, sh yeah. you are forgiving. <laughs> I can't stand her. I can't stand I can't take you nowhere. <laughs> I can't. It's just a question. Uh, how about you, girl? Okay, well, I'm still mad about this. So this happened in, like, the seventh grade. <laughs> but my brother was picking me up after school and I was putting, you know, we would put our chairs on top of the desks and, uh, you know, th that's so the janitors and stuff when they'd come in to sweep the floors would be clear and clean and all that stuff. And I'm like standing next to this guy, Alex, in my class. And I'm like, yo, uh, my brother's about to pick me up. We're going to go watch The Sixth Sense. And he goes, did you know Bruce Willis is a ghost? <laughs> that's the whole point of the movie. <laughs> I mean, it was still scary, but luckily I had some sort of sense to not tell my brother. And then I told Sam afterwards, I was like, oh, you know, Alex, you know, I'm not going to leave. I'll leave his last name out, but he knows about this because I've told him about it recently. We're still Facebook friends. <laughs> uh, he's like, oh, thanks for not ruining that for me. And I've talked to people about it in years past and they're like, yeah, that's such a pivotal part. Like it's so it makes the movie so good when you don't realize it. So you know why, Alex? I'm still mad about it. Uh, I really wish I had that moment. And that honestly is like the biggest, like I could never get that moment back. And I know that because it was like such a classic film. You guys, for those listening, I am really, really into movies and film. So that was just, that like crushed my soul. Uh, and then Marta wants me to tell about like the Tiana Taylor moment. Because okay, because this just happened and it was... Yeah. I feel like it speaks to also our best friendship. <laughs> yes, I said that. <laughs> yes, I made I it. Know that was, I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, Tiana Taylor came out with her album. I love Tiana Taylor. Marta loves Tiana Taylor. <laughs> so does my boyfriend, Brian. So they all had, like, listened to it before I did. But Brian started talking about, like, the album and, like, spoiling songs. And I'm like, why would you do that? And I just started, like, laying into him. Like, you can't do that. Marta didn't even talk about it. And Marta was like, how'd you know? I was like, because you caught yourself 
trying to tell me something about it and you stopped yourself from doing it. So I hate when people talk about like albums, movies, or like, especially on Facebook, IG, like it's been getting worse. Do you remember what I accidentally did that to you on Facebook and I didn't mean to? I felt hella bad after the fact. It was the, uh, what was that show on, oh, Glee. Do you remember? Oh. It was, what what episode, was it the Michael, was it Michael Jackson? I don't know. I forget. I don't know if it was Prince. They had a tribute episode and I like totally blew it. I felt so guilty after that. People just do that. That's why it's just like, I don't even like talk about it or I'll do like spoiler alerts, whatever. Just have like, how about real life conversations? (laughs) That's why I try to stay away from talking about it on social media. Yeah. But it's kind of hard. Yeah. So that's the intro into Marta and Sarah. See you at the next episode. Yes. Next Wind Down Wednesday. Hey.